This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Ready? Yes. I don't. <laughs> now, my little panto crowd. Are you all ready? Well done, that was better, that was better. You should know by now, I'm very much used to doing this in YABC. And uh, listen, we get lots of interaction, lots of feedback. If you're not used to youth ministry, then be quite prepared for, as you're speaking, for somebody to go, what does that mean? Right? And that is fine, that is fine. So I am used to interaction, I'm used to heckling. I will beat you every time if you heckle me. Just know that, okay? But, you know... Welcome, Chrysler. Lovely to meet with you. Um, I want the sort of overarching um, umbrella, if you like, for today's word to be Pastor Phil's series on unoffendable. Um, I want you to keep all that stuff in there because I truly believe what Pastor Phil is bringing to us is a word in season for this church. Because I believe that God, above all, desires his children to be whole. And I think some of us, lots of us, maybe all of us, are holding on to things. And God desires freedom, doesn't he? He does. No, not mm, Yeah, you know, mm, pastor does. Yeah, all of you are like, not too sure about that, Andrea, if I'm honest. You know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Is it? No, he desires you to be free, friend. That is the, you know, the heart of God is that none would perish. The truth is some of us are walking around in grave clothes. We're living dead. You know what? He desires freedom in our innermost path. You were made in his image and you were made for freedom. You were made to love him and have relationship with him. And anything, any stumbling block, an obstacle in the way of that, absolutely it is against God's will. It's against God's will. Because hear this. God cannot act against your will. So if you won't let him in because that thing is holding you up, he cannot act against it. Because he is saying, I have given you free will. I have made you to love me. If there is anything in you that, and when I say you, no, I mean me as well, okay? So don't think I'm stood here going, ha, it's just you, not me, I'm perfect. You know, if there's anything in us that we are saying, Jesus isn't big enough to get over. God cannot act against that. Understand that. We say, why is this happening to me? Why has this happened to me? And I'm in this place and where's God? Where's God? And God's going, I can't act against your will. Do you understand that? This has been a revelation to me in the last few months. It's not like stuff you've always known, then all of a sudden you know it. Does it, do you ever get that? You think, I know that. How have I not known it? And the truth is, we know it, but because we're not doing it, we store it in that special part of our brain marked safe for later. When that becomes relevant, I'll pick it up. Yeah, but the truth is, we know this stuff, but we don't act on it. And I bring it to you today, and I hope this is okay. My last message that I spoke on was on fruitfulness. And there were three points. Isn't it? That you are chosen to bear fruit, you're expected to bear fruit, and that the fruit we bear is illustrative of growth in the spirit. Amen? Amen. So this is a kind of a, a leading on from that, because I'm still in Galatians 5. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Galatians 5. And Galatians is amazing. So Paul wrote Galatians, okay? He didn't write it maybe to a specific church. What the, the, the scholars think, he wrote it to this church, but it was for general use. And it was all about, he was telling churches, why are you getting hung up on the minutiae of what it means to serve Jesus? Because the church in Galatia was going, well, we still have to obey the law. 
to do this properly, yes, Jesus, blah, 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 but we still have to obey the law. And if we're not obeying the law, then we're not proper Christians. We can love Jesus and obey the law. And Paul comes in and says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You do not need to obey the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. He is the law, made real in love of the Father. You agree? So the church in Galatia was saying, well, we still need to be circumcised, chaps. <laughs> but you know, um, <laughs> few tick. Um, and, and Paul was going, no, you don't. No, you don't. And if people are standing up and teaching you, you still need to do that in order to love Jesus. They're wrong. Okay? So the point of today is, is that if the things that hold us back become laws in our life, whereas now through the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, the fact that he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits praying for us. Hallelujah. I need someone praying for me. No one better than Jesus, right? But isn't he so gracious? He lets us do it as well. Hallelujah. So when Jesus does that, that is all I need. I no longer need to go looking through the law and thinking, blinking heck, how many starlings shall I sacrifice for gossip? You know, you don't need to do that anymore because Jesus says it is finished. Amen. So why do we always look for reasons to come against it is finished? <sighs> I'm going to say some stuff today, right? The reason I want you to remember Phil's unoffendable message is because today isn't meant to offend you. But I may be going to say some stuff that's going to make a couple of us go, ah! oh. And I am going to have to say, yeah, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it with love. Come and talk to me after if you've got a problem with it. But I'm saying it with love. Yes? Come on. Let's do real talk. Life is short. There's a baby in hospital right now and they need Jesus the staff need Jesus all the family need Jesus if we aren't showing people Jesus Jesus will turn up anyway but he's put us on this earth to show him to people bottom line bottom line you know your faith your blessing your salvation isn't just for you it's for others it's it's for others why are you waiting for somebody else to rock up and save your family? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, challenging me myself now. Why am I waiting for people to rock up and save my family when I should be showing them the love of Jesus? Come on! People are like that. I want to leave, Andrea. I want to leave. I want you to stop talking and I want to leave. Listen, Galatians is all about the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is about the superiority of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is about the freedom that comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fear has no place in this gospel. Perfect love casts out all fear. You agree? We all agree. How many of us live in fear? Come on. How many of us live in fear? How many of us live in fear of what other people might say? How many people of us live in fear of how powerful and free we might be? And what would happen if we are free indeed? How many of you are frightened of what would happen if you were free? <laughs> it's so counterintuitive, but it's true, right? So we're going to sling up Galatians 5 up onto the screen. And we're going to read it. The title of this message is The Only Thing That Counts. The only thing that matters. So here we go. I will find it. I'm reading everything from the message today because I love the message version. I think it's marvellous. And it really 
for this purposes, oh look, I need bookmarks. I need bookmarks in the Bible that doesn't open. Right. For in Christ, in Christ, every word in Scripture is God-breathed, okay? So every pronoun, every adverb, every article, every noun, every word is important. So let's focus on every word. You with me? Right. For in Christ, not because of Christ or because Christ did this. If you're a Christian, you're in Christ. Would you agree? Would you agree? I need, you know, if you're a Christian, this is some fundamental stuff now. In Christ. Would you agree that as Christians, we are in Christ? Amen. Correct answer. Right. We proceed. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. How many of us would describe ourselves as religious? Oh, none of you. Everyone's like, hands down, hands down. (laughs) She might say something else. What matters is something far more interior. Faith expressed in love. Hallelujah. Don't you love Jesus? Look what he gives to us. Faith expressed. Nothing. 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 How many times you go to house group? How many times you go to church on a Sunday? How many things you do and say you're doing it for Jesus? Nothing counts but faith expressed in love. We can say it. Are we doing it? Are we being it? See the difference? Are you with me? Everyone looks terrified. Look, oh, don't be terrified. I put my leopard skin skirt on for you today just to make it a bit easier on all of you. Do you know what? Do you think it's too much? I don't care if you think it's too much. Because more is more, right? So, you know, you can think what you like of me. But I look amazing. Right, we ready? This is the truth of it, okay? Without God, we are nothing. It isn't about what we do. It's about our faith in Jesus Christ. Well done, you. This is fundamental stuff. And this is what I am coming to. You know... With with Pastor Phil's um, series, with everything I'm reading, with everything I'm living and going through, I'm just coming down to this. It's nothing to do with what I do. It's everything to do with my faith in Jesus Christ. Without him, I'm nothing. Without him, I'm nothing. Without him, I don't want to do it. I want him to fuel every decision I make, every conversation I have, every thought in my head, every day I go to work, every time I go out with my mates, everything, 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 everything is faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? And nothing, nothing I say or do matters if it isn't that faith expressing itself as love. Love to God and love to other people. Are you with me? Now, we move on to point one. This is marvellous stuff, isn't it? Yes, it is, Andrea. Thank you. Uh, You don't have to say that, but say it. Okay. This is important as well, okay? So it's faith expressing itself as love. Love is what powers our faith. You with it? Love is what makes our faith grow. Three times in my life, I have prayed, Lord, increase my faith. Right? I stop praying it because it's scary. (laughs) <laughs> you pray all those songs we've sung if you mean it with your heart you watch God move in power in your life and get ready for it 
Because if you genuinely mean it, that's a prayer he'll answer. When I have prayed, increase my faith, Lord, he has taken me three times in my life through situations that I thought I would never, ever get over. Serious? I'm not, I'm not making this up. And if I, you want to talk to me about it after, I'm happy to sit down and have conversations with you. We haven't got time here this morning because I will talk forever. Ha, 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 ha. Especially with a microphone. You have to listen to me. But three times... He has taken me through things I thought would break me. And they didn't. Amen. You are, some of you are sitting there today thinking, this is breaking me. Have faith, it's not. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You may have some scars. Do you know what? I'm proud of my battle scars. I'm proud of my battle scars. It shows I survived. And if you want to speak to me, my scars aren't bitter. My scars aren't resentful. My scars are on show to let people know the love of Jesus Christ in my life. Don't be ashamed of your scars. Don't hide them away. Don't make you think, oh, if people see that bit of me, you know what, I've got to pretend everything's great. I've got to wrap myself up and pretend everything's great because I don't want people seeing my scars. Put your scars on show. What did God heal you for otherwise? Because he said to Peter, didn't he? I have prayed the Father for you, and when you come back, you, you strengthen your brethren. If my scars help anyone, praise the Lord. Don't be ashamed of your scars. The gospel is a gospel of superiority and freedom. If I start to doubt that freedom for one minute by covering up my scars, then I am hiding the power of Jesus Christ in my life. How does that benefit anyone? Do you understand? Don't be ashamed. The enemy wants you ashamed. The enemy wants you ashamed and guilty, and wrapped up. But Jesus says, it's for freedom I set you free. It's for freedom. Now go and tell other people about the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. Point number one, we come on to this. My first point is this. Please don't be offended. Don't dabble, focus. The time has stopped for playing about with this Jesus stuff. Do you hear me? The time has stopped for playing about with this Jesus and church stuff. Don't dabble, focus. What we have here is somebody saying, nothing, nothing now counts. Nothing now counts. Nothing. Can you understand what I'm saying here? We have to look at our lives and realize that nothing else counts but faith expressing itself as love. Big talk, right? Nothing else counts but faith expressing itself as love. And we are so fortunate because we have the Bible. Paul didn't have a Bible. People go, what? What did he read? Huh? We, we have the Bible. So we have all the archetypes. Do you know what an archetype is? See, this is where I love YABC. You're all like that. Yes, I know what an archetype is. I don't know what an archetype is. I don't know. In YABC, somebody would have gone, what's an archetype? And you would have stopped and explained what an archetype is. So I'm going to do that for you anyway. The Bible gives us the perfect archetypes because people are going, thank goodness she's explaining what an archetype is. An archetype is, in the Greek, it means the original pattern. The Oxford English Dictionary says it's the perfect example. I know. So when somebody says, <laughs> so when somebody says oh, pastor is the archetypal pastor. <laughs> they do. That's what it means. It's the original pattern. So we have the original pattern for faith and love in this book. Don't let anybody hoodwink you with some peer limitation. Come on. 
Don't let anybody tell you that faith and love isn't what it is. That faith and love isn't in Jesus. That faith and love isn't in God through Jesus Christ. Your faith is what? Hebrews 1.11. What is it? The belief in things unseen. The faith that we have in Jesus Christ believes without seeing. It's not faith if you use your eyes, people. You get me? It's not faith if you're using your eyes. It's not faith if you're putting it out on Facebook and hoping somebody gives you a bit of love. Oh, she said it. It's not faith if you're whining to a workmate you know hates the same workmate you hate. Just to get a bit of affirmation back of them. That's not faith. I must be right because they feel the same. Oh, come on. I'm saying it and I don't care. I care if I hurt you because my intention is not to hurt you. But life is too short for us to carry on believing this rubbish. Telling you, telling you, the love of Christ is complete. Complete. So the fruit we grow and bear should be complete fruit. By your fruit, then you know them. Do you understand? So it's love that empowers that. So the faith that we believe in is perfect through Christ Jesus. I believe without seeing that he went to the cross and died for me. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't deserve it. Did you? I didn't deserve it. I, through faith, believe that he descended into hell for three days. By faith, I believe that he was gloriously resurrected in his body without spot on blemish. Amen. And I believe that he ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all of us and loves us completely. I believe without seeing it that Jesus Christ forgave all my sins. And because of that, I can now be called a child of God. Hallelujah. Anybody else thrilled? You don't need to see it to believe it. Try and explain that to someone. I believe it because it's real in my heart. We have the archetype and that's the faith that we profess to have. And the love, the archetype of love in our lives is nothing other than God himself. What is God? How does he describe himself? God is love. So every time somebody tries to tell you that God is a meanie, he's spiteful, he wants you to stop doing things. He wants you to stop enjoying your life. He wants you to throw aside the things that you're really absolutely brilliant at so that you can just go to chapel all the time. You tell people, that's not the God I believe in. My God is love. My God has a plan for me. My God made me before anybody else had even thought of me. My God lifts me up and calls me a child, a co-heir with Christ. That's what my God is. That's the archetype of love in your life. Do you see why the devil wants to keep you small? Do you see? Do you see why the devil wants to say, he doesn't love you really. It's not the same without somebody real and human loving you, though, is it? Loneliness is from hell. It's not right to be alone. What's wrong with being alone? Hey, people like that. Lots, actually, Andrea. I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you right now. I haven't got a partner, but you know what? I'm complete because Christ completes me. And if God in his infinite grace and wisdom sends me a partner in the future, I will say thank you, Lord, because that is somebody to compliment me and to serve purpose alongside with me, not to make me whole. Do you know what? I don't need a man to tell me how beautiful I am because I know it already. Why? 
am made in the image of the living God. I'm beautiful. I'm a stunner. And I'm the apple of his eye. And so are you. Come on. Why are you walking around with your head down all apologetic like somebody's not going to notice you? You're a children of the Most High God. Stop playing small. Are you getting me? This is what the world wants. This is what the enemy wants. This is what the devil wants. Because what counts is a twisted ideology, is a false gospel. Don't you go thinking too much of yourself, Andrea Parry, or I'll put you in your place. How dare you? Do your worst. Do your worst. Got a few nasty words to shout at me. Do your worst. Jesus loves me. Come on. How many of us get put down by that? How many of us get broken by that? I will not be defined by anything other than the love of Jesus Christ in my life. Come on. I am who he says I am. We sing it. Clearly, sometimes we don't mean it. I'm warning you. <laughs> I'm not going to threaten you. But <laughs> I'm warning you. When this message is over and we worship again and we start to sing, make those words your prayer. And I am telling you, you watch God act in your life. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. And do me a favor, don't sing it if you don't mean it. Because God doesn't need that. He doesn't need that. What he wants is your worship from your heart. What he doesn't need is empty words. He can filter that out. You're not fooling anyone. We're not fooling anyone with our double talk. Do you think God thinks, does she mean it this time? I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. God is looking for a heart that is open to him. Amen? That's what he goes and he looks for hearts that are open to him. The second point I want to come on to. I don't even know what I'm saying. Why am I looking at my notes? I haven't said anything that's on there. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Okay, this is my second point. So the first point is don't dabble, focus. You with me? None of this dabbling. Focus down. Faith, love. We have the archetypes. Second point, obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh, I told you I was going in big. It's like, boom, yeah, point two, boom, come on. And then I'll stroke your face after to make sure you're all right. So this is it. It's King David, okay? Come with me back in time to the Old Testament in the first book of Samuel. And King Saul is given the kingdom of Israel. Hey, hey, hello, I'm king. The prophet Samuel, listen to this. The prophet Samuel, it is said, in the Bible, he was so powerful, such a wise and godly judge, that when he spoke, Israel listened. This is the little boy who was taken to the temple by his mother who couldn't have children. Come on. What an amazing woman Hannah was. Come on. And what happens is, Samuel says to him, the Lord has given you victory in this battle. Okay? But when you get there, you don't do anything until I arrive. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, King Saul, because he was king, went to his head a little bit. I imagine. This is why God hasn't made me a king of anything. It would go to my head. I'd be terrible. I'd never make a cup of tea for myself again. I'd have minions. Tea! And they would arrive like this. No, anyway. Sorry, Lord. So what happens is, by the time Samuel gets it, Samuel was delayed. He said, I'm going to get there. All right. So when Samuel got there, King Saul had already sacrificed some of the animals and some of the stuff that they had captured from the battle. And Samuel says, what have you done? What have you done? And he said, 
I was waiting for you. The people wanted a sacrifice. I took the best bits of everything we captured and I sacrificed them to the Lord. And Samuel said, you had one job, Saul. Wait. That's all you had to do. And because of that, do you know what? Because you wouldn't listen to God, you've lost it. Now another king will be raised up. And Saul spent the rest of his life in anger and bitterness and resentment, chasing after David, trying to kill him. And, uh, and Samuel tells him these words, listen to me, obedience is better than sacrifice. So every time we think we're doing something for God and it'll be credited to our account as righteousness, God is going, I don't need that from you. What I need is obedience in your innermost places. I don't need showy sacrifice. I don't need to know how many hours you've turned up for youth, Andrea, over the years. I don't care about that. What I care about is how your heart was committed to young people when you were there. Were you praying for them outside of you? Do you know what? It is brilliant to serve. Don't misunderstand me and hear when I'm not saying that, okay? Because it's brilliant to serve. And we should serve, shouldn't we? Absolutely flat out. But what God is saying is, don't mistake that for obedience to the will of God in your life. Don't mistake your service. Don't think your service and your brilliant at serving as a get-out-of-jail card for when you mess up. Are you with me? So the fact is, the amount of stuff I do in church and the way I serve and the way I give and the offerings and the pouring out of my life in service to God means nothing if I am unkind to people. Got it? So it means nothing. Because the obedience in my life is faith in Jesus Christ to be kind. That's a fruit of the Spirit, right? So if I can't be loving, then my sacrifice means nothing. If I go out there after this service and I make any one of you feel less than you actually are in Christ Jesus by being mean to you, then my hands in the air during worship mean nothing. It's just a hand in the air. You're just sticking your arms up. You're getting to work out. You'll have marvellous biceps. You know, you'll be toned. But you know what? God will say, I never knew you. Why, why do we think that's acceptable? Why do we think that's okay? Hey, on Facebook, you can stick as many things over your profile picture. I hit bullying as you like. Do you know what God would really like? You have to stop being a bully. That's all I'm seeing. Stop bullying in our schools. Stop being a bully then. You think bullying happens only in schools? You've never been to work and been bullied? Uh, my dental hygienist bullied me once. <laughs> that was a special moment. <laughs> I was like, get your hands out of my mouth for a minute. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> but, you know, we think as adults it couldn't possibly happen to us. We don't think that a sly word is bullying. We don't think a conversation shutting down as soon as that person walks through the, into the room is bullying. Oh, come on. Right? Don't be thinking this is the domain of children and young people. God wants us whole and he wants us to challenge those bits of our behavior that are unpalatable. Let's not make excuses for our behavior. You know, the worst thing that happens is in this false doctrine, this false ideology, is that it waters down the love of God. And when you do that, you chip away at his glory. And he is very clear in the Bible, nobody gets to do that. Right? God says, nobody gets to diminish my glory. 
not you, but I'm there. I made you in my image. I love you. You're the pinnacle of my creation. But don't for a second think you share it with me. God is God. So when we stand in a place that actually withholds the love of God from people, you are never more unchristlike. We are never more unchristlike than when we withhold from people. Now listen to me. Right? Some of us, you have got exes. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, oh, she's going there as well, is she? <laughs> Stay with me. Some of us have exes who we wouldn't actually mind if we never saw again in our entire lives. Yeah? I'm saying it. Some of us have exes. We've actually wondered what we'd wear to their funeral. <laughs> you know? Hey, come on, people are like that. Not me, Andrea, I just pray for him every night. Um, you know, some of us think, do you know what, what would I do? What would I do? I'd be gracious, obviously, and loving at his funeral. Right? Listen. I am not saying we have to make amends with all the people who abused and robbed us. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Bible does tell us to pray blessing upon them, not cursing. I'm saying that the Bible tells us to be in a place of forgiveness in our hearts. So it goes well with me. And I am inherently selfish, so I want things to go well with me. The Bible tells us, let it go. It's your message, isn't it? You know, over everything, let it go. You don't have to have your ex move back into your spare room to prove how forgiving you are. You don't have to have people treating you like doormats to show them how kind and loving you are. You stand in a place that is empowered by the love of Christ through faith in Jesus to say, you don't get to treat me like that anymore, but all the best, mate. Right? Right? So we don't have to take it to people to have a whinge. We don't have to be in a place where that, even if we're not outwardly saying it, it is deep, it is coiling with resentment at the pits of our stomach constantly. Constantly. Because if you think you can be in a place of unforgiveness and all the rest of your life is tickety-boo, you are sadly misinformed. But this is what this twisted ideology will tell you. Ah, but... You don't understand, Andrea, how hard it was for me. No, but Jesus does. Take it to him. Don't take it to other people to run people down. Take it to him. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Let Christ deal with it. And I am aware I am speaking of things that have been hard and hurtful and horrible. Leave it at the foot of the cross with Jesus. Do not get other people involved. Do not get your kids involved. You hearing me? Let's keep our children out of it. Let's keep our children out of it. They need to be blessed. We need them to grow up in the image of God. Who shows them that? We do. You send your kids to me, your young people to me, at youth, marvellous. I have them for two hours a week. They're with you the rest of the time. I will do everything I can. I pray for them. I am committed to the young people in this county, in this church, in this world. But they live with you. They live with you. So let's do our best by them. Oh my goodness, look at Andrea going off on one here. Do you know what though? I am absolutely committed that if I don't talk about lifestyle from here, then I am not showing you the love of Jesus. You know what? There are things in our lives that we need to put right there. Gosh, I am so fortunate in my life to have people I am accountable to. Have you got people you're accountable to? Good, strong, honest, godly people that you're accountable to who will come up to you and have that loving conversation that says... You need to deal with this. Have you? I have. Make a point of having them. What is it? You know, iron sharpens iron, doesn't it? 
That's what the Bible says. Have godly people around you to say, hey, I get where you're coming from, but that's not okay. That's not okay. And I love you so much, I'm going to tell you it's not okay. Lifestyle choices. You see, the world will tell you that sex before marriage is okay. The Bible tells you that your purity is everything and that he makes up for all the years the locusts have eaten, so nobody needs to live in condemnation here today. But the, it's, it's an old-fashioned thing, isn't it? We think, we, think, we think messages like that are old-fashioned. Has that got a place in the 21st century church? I'm telling you now, if it says it in the Bible, it's got a place in the 21st century church. And God says you maintain your purity. And you know what? You respect other people's purity. And that's fine, actually. But if we don't preach this stuff, not just to our young people, but to our adults as well, then teachers, teachers, hear me, we are responsible before God. Okay? Everyone's gone quiet. Ha, 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 ha. Everyone's like that. I hope there's cake after because this is really, my blood sugar's gone low, Andrea. I'm going. I'm fainting. Let's go win, Andrea. I can't, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. Listen to me now. I love you. I love you. And if I don't stand up here and say, I know what I'm talking about because God's taken me through it as well. Right? That's the place I'm coming from. We are, if we, if we say we're godly people, John 15, God says, I'm the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you obey me, you love me. If you obey me, you stay in me. You, you with me? Our faith is empowered by our love. Our love means we obey and our obedience is better than sacrifice every time. Yeah? I can't hear any stamping. I can hear shouting. I believe the walls of Jericho are coming down, people. <laughs> Get ready. It'll usher in revival. You know? <laughs> Come on, absolutely. Third point, final point, final point. Faith, hope and love. Faith, hope, and love. Never lose sight of that. I don't want anybody to think today, well, Andrea, you've made me feel rotten. Soz, <laughs> uh, you know, but, um, but listen, if there is anything in you right now that is feeling disproportionately angry at me because of the stuff I've said, listen, that's the Holy Spirit convicting. You know, we don't say this either, do we? From the front, we don't like to say, if you're feeling angry with me in a word, you take that to Jesus, not to me. <laughs> right? If I have said something that is personal and hateful and ideologically incorrect, by all means, come and speak to me about it. But if you think that, oh my gosh, she's actually, she must have been rifling through my sock and dicker drawer because she knows the intimate secrets of my life. How did she know that? I don't know that. I'm just giving you the word the Lord's given me. All right? The stuff that I, you think I have pricked or pushed a button on, take it to Jesus. Let him heal you. We've just sung it. Healing is flowing like a flood. Like a flood, nothing can stop his love. So in that place, let him in, let him in. Suspend your annoyance at me and let Christ in to heal you. I know I need it. You know, when Ruth was saying, who needs a miracle? My hands were up. My hands were up. I need Jesus. I need a miracle in my life. I need him. And he desires to give it to me. The same with you. With a heart that is open, he desires to bless you. I want to read this to you. I've left up loads of stuff. Probably, most of you are probably a bit glad about that. She's, like, oh, she's coming to the end, thank goodness. I don't know if I can take any more. Right, but what I want to read out is, oh, do you know, my glasses have steamed up. I must be sweating. I'm not sweating, I'm glowing. Ladies, don't sweat. Just FYI. Right. This is what we need to remember. Now, listen. Listen. 
nothing thing about Paul. Paul was persecuted everywhere he went. <laughs> Why? For preaching the gospel. When you change, people will be offended. Right? People will despise the change in you. People don't want to see you walking in light. People don't want to see you changing. People want to sit in your kitchen having a gossip with you. They don't want you saying, I'm not doing that anymore. People want you to get angry, so they'll be with you and they'll needle away at you until you get angry. When you walk into work, they're going to tell you what that cow said about you when you were off. But they want you to be angry about it. The gospel is an offence to some people, but we are not those people. So we stand in a place where we proclaim the goodness of God and display the love of God in the face of persecution. Now, thankfully, in Britain, in modern Britain, in the 21st century, none of us will be dragged into, out into the street and stoned. Hallelujah. Oh, just me. Slightly thrilled about that. But listen, you will have other people come up against you. If people come up against you, it usually means you're doing something right. So take heart and be courageous, and be strong, and keep shining your light, and don't let other people's view of you, and what your light should look like, put your light out. This is the way we go now. If we, I just, I do need to say this. If we ever think that we are in a place where we need to make the gospel of Jesus Christ more palatable by putting our version on it, we are doing God a disservice. Do you understand? Because sometimes we think, oh, they won't like it if I say that. You know, God challenged me with this word. He said, I want you to say all of that. People might not like it, but I want you to say all of that. If we suddenly decide that it's up to me to make the gospel of Jesus Christ more user-friendly, who am I to do that? Christ died for us. Who am I to say that his love is something it isn't? So be very aware of watering down the facts of giving a version of events into people's lives and into our own lives because it's much easier to believe that stuff, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, I'd love an easy gospel. I'd love a gospel that says, Andrea, do what you like. Wouldn't you? Do what you like. Amen. That's the law of God now. And lo, I say to you, do what you like. Wouldn't that just be so much easier? Wouldn't that be easier than being told to love your enemies? Huh? <laughs> Everyone's like that. I'm not answering. I don't know what to say. I don't know what's right anymore. But, isn't it? but it is so much easier to believe a version of the gospel rather than the actual gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know what? The gold, the treasure, the fruit, the blessing is in the gospel of Jesus Christ from beginning to end. So I'm going to read all of this to you. So I got, oh, more of her talking. Yes, more of me talking. This is how we do it. This is the archetype. This is Paul's letter, the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. Listen to this. It's not going to be up on the screen. Listen to it. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. You with me? Are you with me? If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a matter, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. 
Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel while others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be cancelled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. But when I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us. Knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lean us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. Amen. In Welsh, I love it. An awr a maint yn aros. Fydd gobaith cariad. Y tri hyn a'r mwyaf orau hyn yw cariad. Nothing, church, nothing now counts except faith expressing itself as love. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 59 6000.